Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. Heavenly Father, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. We've all experienced a refinement of taste, at least I think we have. Uh, when I was a, a little kid, uh, the age of uh, some of my kids now, my favorite food uh, was a cheese and ketchup sandwich. I'm thankful my tastes have developed a little bit, that um, I'm not still addicted to cheese and ketchup sandwiches, because now I love me a good, well-seasoned, medium-rare chunk of beef. In fact, most things I enjoy now, I used to have no taste for, meat, tea, coffee, wine, whiskey. Of course, uh, if we're talking about food, you can always have too much of a good thing. Uh, but then again, not all food is neutral, right? In general, food that's actually good for you uh, has, in general, a much higher limit of how much you can have than food that is bad for you. What's unfortunate is that in America, so much of our easily accessible food is so bad. Uh, sugar, uh, if you didn't know, is actually used as a numbing agent in infants, um, for little boys especially. Uh, we don't even know we're consuming sugar anymore because our taste has been numbed to it, and it's actually addicting and poisoning us at the same time. Uh, the more sugar you eat, the less able your body is to regulate itself and fight off disease. But I'm not here to give a sermon on nutrition. Uh, but this idea of taste uh, serves as a fitting metaphor for more important spiritual things. Taste and see that the Lord is good, Psalm 34 says. Psalm 34 is really all about our mouths and what we consume, what we put in them. Uh, and speaking of an acquired taste of good things, uh, Psalm 34 is a fine example of divinely inspired poetry, Hebrew chiastic poetry to be precise. Uh, uh, chiastic poetry is where the main point is in the middle, uh, and the beginning and the ends are like a mirror uh, on both sides. So the pattern would then be A, B, C, D, where D is the main point, C, B, A. And if you read the psalm a couple of times, you'll recognize this pattern. Uh, in the center, the psalm asks, Who is the man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Who is the man who desires life? You know, we might think that's a pretty obvious question. Well, who wouldn't desire life? Who would actually prefer death over life? Right? Everybody should answer, well, yes, I prefer life over death. Uh, but then I remember that my meal of choice once upon a time was ketchup and cheese. And that would not have preserved me very long. Uh, because I didn't know what was good. I had no taste for what was actually good and what would actually preserve my life. And that's still true. I still have things that I eat to my detriment or harm, that uh, there are still things to my shame I eat in excess. 
St. Paul says a similar thing in our epistle lesson. Things that believers still do to our shame. And all we have to do is look around at the world, look at history, look at our own souls, to see that we really do prefer death. We are slaves to sin, and the end result, St. Paul says, is death. You know, we tend to make a joke out of it, but gluttony is a great selfishness, uh, which is only focused on consuming, regardless of what's actually being consumed. Right? Consider huge portion sizes, binge-watching, uh, disposable relationships. Gluttony is a sin, and like the rest of the seven so-called deadly sins that we heard about last week, uh, is actually dangerous. Uh, gluttony has not to do simply with food, but with anything we have or do in excess. Because we lack the biblical virtue or fruit of self-control. And we shouldn't just spiritualize it because gluttony is a very physical and, and bodily abuse. Our bodies are inextricably, are inextricably uh, joined with our souls. What happens when the soul and body are separated? Well, death happens. And the same is true for whatever is in our mouths and our, and our lips, uh, including words. And it really is a matter of life or death. And the first thing your doctor will tell you if you are unhealthy is that you've got to change your diet. Right? So we need to change our diet away from things that are spiritually not healthy for us, and we need to develop a taste for what is, what is good. It's actually good for us. Well, how do you develop a taste for something? Well, it's simple. You, you need to keep out of your mouth what is bad. But not only that, you need to fill your mouth with what is good. All right, you need to stop eating sugar and eat some good natural beef. Or as St. Peter says, paraphrasing Psalm 34, he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from doing evil and do good. Let him speak peace and pursue it. Bless the Lord at all times. Let his praise be continually in your mouth. Fill your mouth with the praise and worship of God. Bless the Lord at all times. This is the man who loves life. Someone who loves life will have the praise of God on their lips. They will fill their mouth with the praise of God and not anything else. Uh, life, after all, true life is more than mere animal survival. Man does not live by bread alone, Jesus says. True life is the matter of our soul's relationship to God. It involves living in a particular way. And God does actually promise blessing to those who live in this way. Even though God provides daily bread to all people, even to all the wicked, even though God does cause rain to fall on the just and the unjust, that doesn't mean that God shows no regard for the difference between the just and unjust man. The psalm says, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, on the just, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil, the unjust. God really does discriminate. Earlier in chiastic form, the psalm had said, The humble look to him, 
and we're radiant. So not only does God look at those who are righteous, but the righteous look to God, the humble look to God and are radiant. And their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him. The humble, those who have none, look to the Lord and are made radiant. Their faces are not ashamed. We're ashamed at, at those things that we do to our detriment and our harm. But the humble look to God even though they may do these things. And they're not ashamed because they're made radiant. The poor man who has nothing with which to offer or come before God, nothing to give God, he's the one whom the Lord hears. But I think of how backward this is. A Lord or king in the ancient world would only hear those subjects who would come to him and bring him some great tribute or gift. But our Lord hears those who have nothing, who have nothing. The poor man cried out, this poor, poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him. Contrast this with a glutton, someone who has everything they need, who has filled their mouth and their belly with, with everything. Well, they have no reason to look to God. Those who are satisfied with earthly bread won't desire heavenly bread. Those who have consumed everything have no need for anything more, have no need for the gifts of God. Those who have filled their mouths with deceit and evil speaking have no room in their mouths for what is good. They have no taste for it. On the other hand, those who have tasted and seen that the Lord is good are those who learn to trust in whatever circumstance, however much or however little, the Lord may give. Religion is not a crutch, as the godless and gluttonous may claim. It's our life. Religion is our life. Those who love life are those who seek the Lord. And those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Many are our afflictions, but the Lord delivers us out of them. You know, we need to believe that the Lord will provide, even if we don't get everything right now, even if everything isn't coated in sugar. This is a lesson on providence. The feeding of the 4,000 in our gospel lesson shows us that Jesus does, in fact, care about our bodies. He does care that we don't faint on the way home. He does care what we do with our time. He does even care about what we eat. But sometimes, like those 4,000 people in that deserted, desolate place who went three days without eating, sometimes Jesus has more important things to give us first. Sometimes we need to be a little peckish. We need to be a little hungry. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. They will be satisfied. And it is quite simple. God will provide. St. Augustine says, For this reason, fear not. Only do what he commands. I'd speak peace. Pursue it. 
And he says, if he, if he delivers you not bodily, he will deliver you spiritually. Either way, God will provide for you. If he doesn't give you food now, if he doesn't give you whatever thing your body lacks, he will deliver you and deliver what your soul needs. This is true in everything, in every case. Even if you die, even if your body dies, so what? You will be provided for. And this is shown most profoundly by our Lord, who is own death is prophesied directly in this psalm. Not one of his bones is broken. John 19 uh, mentions this in John's Gospel. John's Gospel, uh, John mentions this fulfillment. And right before John does so, in context, Jesus has been given, uh, on the cross, he's on the cross, Jesus has been given sour wine to drink. Jesus has swallowed the punishment for our sins. Jesus is a glutton for our punishment. And in his death, Jesus swallows up death. Jesus tastes death. And then the soldiers pierce Jesus' side with a spear, and blood and water flow out, the very means that give us life. Jesus' body on the cross was being spared, uh, being broken. And that one of his bones shall be broken, so that it might be broken and distributed to us for the forgiveness of our sins. Just as Jesus had the disciples distribute the bread in that deserted place, so his disciples' ministers still continue to do so. In bread, which is his body, broken, received, and consumed that we may eat and be satisfied, that his praise shall really and continually be in our mouth. His own praise, Jesus' own praise, shall be in our mouth because we're consuming Jesus himself, that we may taste and see that the Lord truly is good. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen.